Thank you all for being here this morning. It's a blessing to see you. I'm here to bring you some good news. You ready for some good news? The good news is this. In the midst of all the challenges, all the difficulties that we see in the world today, our God is doing some amazing things around the world. Our God is doing some amazing things around the world. Is anybody here this morning? Our God is doing some amazing things around the world. And we get to be a part of it. I want to invite you to say this after me. God is doing amazing things. And I get to be a part of it. That's what this day is about. The, the celebration of what God is doing around the world and the fact that we get to participate in his reaching out to this world with his love. So we've set aside this day to emphasize this opportunity for us to be involved in God's great commission. I'm holding in my hand a new publication hot off the presses that uh, gives you information about some 20 global workers that our church supports that are doing this amazing work around the world. So in other words, your giving week after week, month after month, gives us the opportunity to support some of God's choicest servants that are ministering around the world. So I want to invite you to pick up one of these today as you go out, and uh, you'll, you'll see them in the coffee bar, along with our special guests today. So as God is doing amazing things around the world, we're blessed to have some of those choice servants that are participating in that in some very unique situations. And I would like to invite them to join me on the platform right now so that you can see them and identify them when you go out after the service. Please go over and greet them and uh, learn some more about their ministry. So friends, would you all just come up? These are uh, our guest gospel workers this morning. Would you please welcome them as they come? Yeah. And so y'all could just uh, kind of gather in a socially distanced manner. But we're blessed to have these folks with us today. This is Randall Ford from Globe and Chosen People Ministries. This is our own Anna Smith from YWAM. This is Jay and Julie Ellis from Wycliffe. And this is Bruce and Ellie Anderson uh, from uh, EPC World Outreach. And Bruce will be bringing our keynote message in just a moment. These are really, really dear friends of ours, and we love them, and we want to continue to support them and encourage them. Let me just say this real briefly before we pray and then Bruce comes to speak. One of the things that's very important to us as a church family is that you are connected to these folks. And we have a, a particular way in which we're trying to do that, and that is to adopt these families or these individuals. And so, as I said, we have 20 that uh, if, you ha if you're in a small group or your family would like to adopt one of these for prayer and encouragement. You don't have to worry about financial support because we're already doing that as a church, but just to be connected with these folks 
to share prayer requests, remember their birthdays and anniversaries, that sort of thing. And we have some small groups that do an amazing job of that, and I would encourage you to do that. There's a table out in the coffee bar with a little tree with their names, name tags on it, and you can choose one of those for your small group or your family if you'd like to do that. And so just uh, before Bruce comes to speak, we're going to pray, and then some of these folks are going to be over in Kids Rock or up in the Sunday school class with youth, so we'll release them to do that as Bruce brings our message this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, how grateful we are for these dear gospel workers that work around the globe. And we pray for your grace to them, that you would strengthen them and encourage them, protect their health. And Lord, we, we pray that you would provide everything that's needed for them to do the work of the ministry to which you've called them. Bless their families and uh, make them in every way encouraged and rejuvenated for having been with us today. Lord, would you please allow them to know how much we love them and appreciate them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give them another hand as they go off and then as Bruce comes to speak? Well, good morning. It's just great to be with you all. I headed out this morning and uh, wanted to, to see any wildlife I could see where we were staying. It was very beautiful, and I looked around, and I saw this little worm on the sidewalk, and he was really skinny, just this interesting worm, and I thought, that's just amazing. And, uh, and he really was. Uh, and, and I see you, you all here, and you're even more amazing than that worm. We had the best dad ever right up in the front row, appropriately. And uh, I have long really admired and, and respected your church, and I want to thank you so much for the support for over 10 years that you've given to Ellie and me and our family and our ministry. I have always ad admired the uh, integrity, the missionality of your church, and the, the, just the depth of this place. And uh, we're really grateful. You've helped us immensely. The... Uh, Stories that I'm going to share today in the bed, embedded in my, my message are not my stories. They're our stories. As Wes said, God's doing amazing things, and it's us as, uh, together in this ministry. So please, I'm praying that it will deeply encourage you, that you will take it in and, and say, hey, this is part of my life, what's happening here. I'm a part of this. Our family lives in Suffolk, Virginia. We have four kids, two married now, and five uh, grandchildren. And our work is with EPC's World Outreach. Uh, I lead two ministries. I-10 is the International Theological Education Network, and we're working in 10 countries, training indigenous Christian leaders to lead seminaries and reach unreached people groups that are in hard and remote places close to unreached groups there. Our Institute for Reformation trains Christian leaders in Eastern Europe and elsewhere for service outside of the church in the various spheres of society 
uh, the arts, journalism, uh, academics, politics, any, any sphere. We're training there for reformations uh, that it lead even to movements for Christ in, in, in these countries. It's quite exciting. I'll share some of these things. I won't mention country names today for security reasons, but if you want to talk about any of these things, you can see us out there later. I'd love to talk about it. Of course, COVID brings us, like everybody, challenges, uh, since we travel internationally and haven't been able to do that as much. Um, we're still hard at work, though, and we're really delighted to see uh, progress through teaching courses, writing manuals, translating, publishing, uh, advising, consulting with our partners. And we continue to see things, even things that COVID-19 has enabled or accelerated uh, during this time. So this is a time where God continues to do amazing things in our midst. Praise Him for that. We're on a journey uh, in, in these times. It's a crazy journey, isn't it? 2020, 2021? Uh, it, where are we headed with this thing? I, th I don't think we still really know where this is all leading. And Apostle Paul had some journeys that we read about in the Bible. They were pretty crazy too. And I'm sure he had some questions like we might be asking in our times. When Paul was on his second missionary journey, he reached Athens, Greece, and it was there in Athens at the Areopagus, which is also called Mars Hill, that, that he encountered a group of people that we read about. And in, in uh, Athens, there you see above, on the top part of the photo, the Acropolis, which is the location of the Parthenon to the gods, and it's a cultural, religious, it's, it sits above the city. Then just below that, on the lower portion of the, the, the photo, you see the Areopagus, that hill there that looks up at it and then also down on the city. The Areopagus was a socio-political center from the ancient times uh, in Greece where they met um, as a court concerning the oversight of morals, education, and religion of the people. Uh, very powerful places. Our family actually was there in 2018. We stood uh, right there uh, on the Areopagus where Paul uh, was speaking to the Athenians. And that's the context for our text today, which is Acts 17, 16 through 34. And I'm going to read this, and if you pay attention to anything, pay attention to this. This is God's word. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus right there, saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? For we, you bring some strange news to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all of the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except for telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. 
What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all of the face of the earth, having determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your poets have said. For we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or a stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed among whom also were Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And Lord, may you enlighten our hearts and minds with the entrance of your words. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So during Paul's journey. He received insight from the Lord. He saw both opposition and opportunities. Verse 16 says he saw opposition in the form of the city being full of idols. Verse 22 says he perceived opportunities that in every way the Athenians were very religious people. And in the chaos of Paul's times, he needed insight from the Holy, the Holy Spirit to, to move in this situation. 2020 was supposed to be the year of clear vision, you remember? And, and 2021 is not much clear, is it? In our chaos, what insight do you have from the Lord? What do you see? Do you see opposition? Do you see opportunities? What is your outlook? May the Lord open our eyes in these times. And may we see beyond ourselves. You'll notice that Jesus and Paul were not focused on personal opposition and personal opportunities. And this wasn't about how can I make a buck during this coronavirus or something like this. Rather, they are focused on how to respond to gospel opposition and gospel opportunities. They're thinking of the Lord's mission and they're thinking about other people. They were missional. And we can be encouraged here today that the same spirit that was in Jesus and Paul in the middle of that chaos is in us. It's in you if you're a follower of Christ right now. That same missional spirit for you to go out of here and not simply take care of yourself, but take care of other people in this community and in this world and lead them into Jesus Christ. What an opportunity. And be encouraged. Just take it in. The spirit of God is in you as his people. Wonderful. Praise the Lord for that. So in Acts 17, we see three realities about our Lord Jesus Christ 
in Paul's response to the Athenians. And these three realities uh, that I see are all marked by the words of the Athenians themselves, as Paul perceptively noted as he quotes them. So first, the Athenians' remark of Paul, what does this babbler wish to say? And there may be some of you who are saying the same thing as I'm preaching, but I hope not. What does this babbler wish to say, they, you know, they, they said. And here we see the reality that our Lord Jesus Christ is opposed. There will be opposition for Christians. In Acts 17, we see three arenas of opposition. Religious, the Jews. Civil opposition, the civil authorities and Caesar. Philosophical, the Greeks. And we Christians today have opposition from these three spheres as well. And there's no need to be surprised to be alarmed, like, like, wow, why would this happen? Christ and his followers have always been opposed. As Peter said in verse Peter 4, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Paul perceives wisely that at the root of this, uh, this opposition, it's spiritual in nature. Paul's spirit was provoked, it says in verse 16. It doesn't say his intellect or something like this. It says his spirit was provoked because he encountered a spiritual force behind all of this when he saw that the city was full of idols. And Paul's the one who wrote 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This is exactly what came to my mind when I was uh, in a hotel room the last time I was in Ukraine, praying in intercession in response to a university student who had told me through a text uh, that he was grappling with the claims of the gospel, I had the opportunity to be in the, give a university lecture, and there was some apologetic in it, and I got to share some gospel in this historical lecture, and he wrote me at 10 at night. And I just remember the Lord said, you know, Bruce... That was some good work we did today, okay, good. And that was some good, you know, stuff, but now is the time to fight for this guy spiritually. He can't just get it from the ideas you shared. He needs to break through spiritually. And I was just so moved that, wow, I need to help this guy and get up and walk around in my room and just pray over him for a spiritual breaking of darkness to open his eyes and his soul to Jesus Christ. The opposition is fundamentally spiritual. Like Paul today, we must engage it spiritually. How do we do this in prayer, in walking in a spirit of wisdom and spiritual attentiveness in every situation during the day, responding with godly behaviors and attitudes? Oh, the, the power if towards others we would be humble, considerate in 2021, respectful in 2021, forgiving in 2021, kind in 2021, non-retaliating in 2021, wow, what might happen? What an opportunity. And it's also important to be spiritual people in the conversation that we have with those outside the church, explicitly talking about the Lord in very natural ways, you know, just moving along in life, you know, just, just bringing him in, letting people hear and about how our experience of him is so wonderful and he's so satisfying to us. And I'm just so grateful for your church's emphasis on this. You've done training, you have the journey groups, you have 
This is exactly, I think, where, where we ought to be because we can step into this chaos spiritually. And that's the bottom line. But you note in Paul's response, it's not only spiritual response, it's also intellectual, literate, and cultural. In response to opposition, Christ, working through Paul, is reasonable. The Christian response is a spiritual and rational one. It's exemplified by Paul. In verse 17, it says, Paul reasoned. We remember that Paul was among the most highly educated people in his day. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel, a famous scholar. He took as his key associate, Apollos, who had studied in Alexandria, which was like the Oxford or Harvard of his, his day, the greatest library. And it says in Acts 18 that Apollos, uh, let, me, let me quote it, was eloquent, competent, instructed, fervent, and accurate as he refuted the Jews in public. The Areopagus in Athens was the place where the thinkers and decision makers uh, in the New Testament era were publicly gathered and they challenged Paul intellectually there and Paul responded with the intelligence of Christianity. In the face of intellectual opposition, our faith in Christ is reasonable. There's no premium on Christians being opposed, aloof, or disengaged from intellectual life. In fact, historically, Christians have fostered intellectual enterprise and education. And I see this myself in our I-10 ministry that focuses on training these Christian leaders. Without this training, the church would be filled with erroneous, even crazy doctrines. You wouldn't believe the things that, you know, David and I and Wes, we've all been there, and some of others of you together, seeing some pretty crazy ideas, superstitions, syncretism, prosperity gospel. These errors lead to scandal, publicly exposed incompetence, and irrelevance of the church. And the Christian mission fails without a formation of the intellect and reasoning through education I thank God that often the people that, that we're working with, that you as a congregation, we have hands-on here from your congregation, that we're working with become some of the, not only the most educated, but the most practically helpful in these very difficult, hard places that they serve, and they, they become a champion for their people through the, the education they have. I see this also in the Institute for Reformation work that we do. Um, the... My academic work is in early modern historical political theology. We can talk about that some of the time. But unbelievably, this has led to a number of invitations and opportunities for me uh, to speak in, believe it or not, like, you know, academies of science, the National Library, halls of government, universities. And I can say this, that Christian reformers that we've trained are now public figures bringing national level reforms through this this intellectual development of faith. Also, from this uncommon platform, uh, being able to speak with thousands of university students and professors, uh, most who have never, ever heard uh, an evangelical before, especially in a university setting, uh, were able to hear these things, see these, and some of these I have seen. They have been, they've received Jesus Christ and they have been baptized, and that is the work of this church uh, together with us, and we praise the Lord for that. God's work in them. Christ's opposition um, is not only spiritually reasonable, uh, spiritual and reasonable, it is also societal. And the Christian mission engages every single sphere. So in Acts 17 here, we see Paul engages religion, the synagogue, business and popular culture, the marketplace, and academics and politics, the Areopagus. 
And I, I especially just love this phrase. It just pops out to me from verse 22. Paul standing in the midst of the Areopagus. You notice he's moving around in these different places. And it says they brought him to the Areopagus, the Areopagite leaders. And then he's standing in the midst of the Areopagus. It's Christ's spirit that is there in the midst of the Areopagus. It's, it's him working through Paul in the midst of society. It's not peripheral, it's central. You may feel peripheral and marginalized by the spiritual and cognitive warfare of our times, but be encouraged that followers of Christ have been throughout the ages placed by Christ in the centers of society. It's a very difficult time, of course, in 2020 and 2021. It's not a time, though, for hiding out, opting out of society because it's too hard, too opposing, too ugly to participate. Christ's spirit took Paul in the midst of that, into the midst of that. And today, Jesus Christ remains the way, the truth, the life everywhere in every sphere, politics, economy, medicine, science, the media, the arts, everything. He is the one we're looking for. For another example from uh, our ministry, I had the privilege of something surprising and unexpected that happened in Southeast Asia in a country there that I can't name but which River Oaks has a very tight connection to. And by the way, uh, you're greeted with thanks because I just talked to this leader this week and he told me, I said, I guess where I get to go, he said, tell him thank you directly from us in our country. And um, so I, I bring that to you. But through a, a, an unexpected turn of events, there was a change in government in this country and it, it moved into a democratic, you know, a democracy situation. And because of, uh, what, what ended up happening is they ended up with over 50 members of the national parliament who were Christians. They'd never had this, Christians in this leadership ever in the history of the country. And so they asked for training. And so we began doing trainings with, with them for the sake of the national outlook and the, and the, and the, and the direction and uh, there are different turnings toward Christ that we began to see in the middle of that. The point is, you people who know this country, know this situation, would never have expected this was possible. And it turned like that and started moving in this very dynamic way. So, Christ saves souls and he is the wisdom for ordering societies and nations. And we see, we have so many stories we could tell. Of mayor, I prayed with a mayor not very long ago in, a, in Eastern Europe, um, a, a vice rector of a university uh, coming toward the Lord. Beautiful things. In, in Acts 17, we see a second reality about our Lord Jesus Christ in response to the Athenians. And it comes in the inscription of their altar to the unknown God. And here we see the reality that our Lord Jesus Christ is sought People around us really are looking for something more. And you notice that these Athenians are not 100% opposition. They are also seekers that have some measure of, of openness that, that they express to Paul. They say in verse 19, may we know. And in verse 20, we wish to know. There, there's, this searching is in the nature of all things. All people of all times are related to their creator. And we recall Colossians 1.6, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. All things and all people were created through him and 
for him. Every person is made for him, for that relationship. Therefore, if you are not in him, something is missing and terribly wrong. Every person needs him by design. All of us are longing for him. We are all desperate for him, whether we admit it or even are conscious of it or not. We're made for him. Something's missing without him, and we're longing for him. In our I-10 work, I've had the long partnership and friendship with our folks in Pakistan, a seminary there. This country is 96% Muslim. And I have seen spiritual hunger even in this hardest of places. For example, one graduate from the seminary started out with a church of 150, he told me, and I, th I thought, that's pretty good for a church in Pakistan, 150 people. But then he shared the rest of his story, and by the time he got to the end, he explained that they have four services each weekend with an attendance around 10,000 people. And I'm telling you, I saw it with my own eyes. People are hungry for the Lord everywhere here in your community. Don't let them fool you. Don't, don't, don't pass by opportunities to show the love of Jesus. Just, just, just have some kinds of conversations and just see what the Lord will do. I'm telling you, there are people all around us who are desperately hungry, whether you can tell it or not. They're seeking. And in response to the Athenians searching for God, Christ working through Paul reveals himself to them and to us in massive ways. This is what he puts out for those who are looking. First, that the God is providential. He's everything you need. He's other than, better than, bigger than. We know him to be. He's a maker. He's he takes care of everything. What we need comes from him, not from man. He's fully able. He doesn't need us, but everything we need, we get from him. Praise the Lord. And he says that God is sovereign. He's so great, according to verse 26, that he alone has decided when and for how long a nation will be a nation and where the boundaries or borders of that nation will be marked. God decides. God is the one who makes those things as they are. We're entirely subjected to God's sovereignty overall. Man has a hard time accepting the grand and mysterious decisions God has made as he directs the events among all the nations and all that happens in the world, the pleasant and the painful. Man has a hard time, and by the way, that includes all of us, human beings, and of course men, women, children, but it, it means me and you. We all have a hard time with this, that you know, accepting God's timetable for resolving human miseries. We even want to rebel against God's sovereignty. We are afraid. We want to take control. We all do. It's the sinful nature. And uh, when it comes to determining the boundaries and political fate of nations, we have friends and ministry partners for 20 years now working in a very difficult situation, arrested for their advocacy for freedom and faith, some beaten, some imprisoned multiple times, some of them. Some of them right now are being tortured in prison as we meet. And the last time I was with them, they, they, they prayed. I will listen. I heard them, my, my friends praying in the, in the service. They said, Lord, your will be done. May our country be free and opened up only according to your wisdom and your timing. 
not ours. Wow. Patiently trusting the timing and the out times to God, the only one who decides, even when it hurts. For their country and ours, we can be reassured that no one determines the outcome except the maker. Wow, that's how encouraging. No one determines the outcome except God, who sets the boundaries and the days in the course of history. God's sovereignty is able to satisfy our and everyone's longings and seekings. We are looking for something bigger and better than ourselves, and he is bigger and better than we can even begin to comprehend. And finally, Acts 17, there's a third reality I want to observe about our Lord Jesus Christ in response to these Athenians, and it's related to their words from their poet, in him we live and move and have our being. They had a little piece of truth, you know, here in, from their poet, but Paul goes on to explain what it all really means about bringing us very close and personal to God. And the problem in 2020 and 2021 is not our circumstances, not a disease, not social unrest, not an election. The ultimate problem is our sinful nature. The answer, repent and trust the resurrected Christ. And these are, I'm not making this up as... Uh, this is Paul's words, eight, verse 18, 31, 32. Repent is what? To be sorry, to make a decision, to turn away from my own way and follow God's way. And Paul's call to repent is to all people everywhere. Wow, boom, nuclear option. All people everywhere. Quite bold for our times, I'd say, but it means all of us. Us as well as them, them as well as us, whoever us and them might be. Everyone repenting, humbling ourselves, just saying we give up on this, trying to run this thing. We need God's help. We need God's help. We admit it. We surrender. We need God's help. Please, Lord, forgive us and just come and rescue us. Imagine as we do that what can happen anywhere, our country, in any other place. The Epicureans and Stoics mentioned in verse 18 suffered materialism and empty insufficiency, leaving the Greeks and Romans unsatisfied over time. But from Paul, they were hearing good news about Jesus Christ. As it says in Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're here, if you're listening, this is a moment you can open and come to him and know what it is like to be near to God. In response to the Athenians and our desire for God to be near us, Christ working through Paul his spirit is bringing an assurance. Nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Our assurance as Christians is that history is never out of control. History is not just the past. It is the past, the present, and the future. That means that our view of yesterday and today is, in, is influenced by our view of the future. Resurrection means certain victory and perfect justice. So if you look behind and you look at the present and it makes you a little distressed and depressed, 
look to Jesus and be at rest. That's the way one guy used to preach that. So you, you look to the future to understand and, and, and be assured about what's happening now. Verse 31, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. The maker who sets the boundaries of the days is also the resurrected Lord who died for us and then rose in victory over the very sin and death that is destroying us and bringing all of these terrible, chaotic consequences to us. He has resolved that for us. You may say, well, I don't see much of this victory in the world right now. Well, I've already given you plenty of good stories to show you some of that victory, I think. But uh, I would just say for another example... We're working in a country that's a very controlled environment, persecuting Christians, lots of hardship, uh, an Asian country. And there is a surprising, quick, rapid move of gospel reception and church multiplication that's happening in this place. And their leader told us uh, a while back while we were online with him, working with them, he said, because of the coronavirus, the pandemic, in the opening of people's hearts in their situation, they actually saw accelerated church growth. And in these terrible conditions, these, these people that we work with, they saw 61 new churches planted and 2,700 people among 52 unreached people groups in 2020. They saw that kind of growth. So praise the Lord for that. And we see in this program this 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 church the church growing under severe pressures and just accelerating and 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 God doing something special globally faith in Christ is growing faster than any other kind of belief system uh, at least the ones that people are choosing and not by birth rate today over 33% of the world identify as christian which is far more percentage than any other religion Atheism is still declining and Islam is still be, uh, behind Christianity in terms of any kind of conversion rates or percentage numbers. You might be wondering about America, folks. I know, it's a real rough here. But the gospel is exploding in Latin America, Africa, and Asia. Take it in. Understand a big picture. As, as your pastor said, God is doing amazing things, always because he's an amazing God and he's in control of this whole thing, this whole course. Finally and beautifully, my closing word, Christ is personal. God does all this precious work, just one precious person at a time. The macro does not lose sight of the micro. This passage is about nations and centers of power and the macro perspective but so sweetly as only the holy spirit you know can do here in verse 34 he he gives attention to two people by name who decide to follow jesus dionysius the areopagite who was one of the elites that was in that court uh in the you know at, at the areopagus but another a woman named damaris we don't know her to be elite but equally precious. And the Holy Spirit is so precious to the macro God. This, this one small woman is so precious. He just said, you know, I'm going to memorialize her forever in Acts 17, 34. I'll put her sweet little name right there for myself because she's precious to me. He loves each one precious uh, personally. He personally loves my dear friend and co-workers, Hailu and Hassan, 
And the others in a 95% Muslim region in Ethiopia who share, share with me how their family members have been coming to the Lord one and then another and then another and then another, each one just preciously, personally loved by Jesus Christ. Each has a name and is absolutely precious. You have a name. And you are absolutely precious. And your name is written down and memorialized for eternity in the book of life. That's how Christ is. Deep and personal. Praise be to God. So in the crazy times, Christ is near and the future, well, it is 100% resurrection power and pure justice. The gospel continues to explode on a global scale and on an individual level. His love is personal to you and to me and to each and every one. Father, thank you so much for revealing yourself as the sovereign and, and, and providential God. You have assured us and encouraged us this morning by who you are from your word, Lord Jesus Christ. And help us now, as River Oaks Church and as your, your family, to go in this love with the gospel that, Christ, you are not only opposed, but you are sought and you are near. So help us go and be with them. In Jesus' name, amen.